I'm Rachel, the creative director for Ramdas's Love Serve Remember Foundation, and I'd like to welcome you to our Inner Academy, a virtual Dharma Hall where our family of wisdom teachers will help you navigate your daily life by bringing ancient wisdom into a modern context. With over 200 hours of audio and video teachings, meditations, and practices from teachers like Ramdas, Krishnadas, Sharon Salzberg, Jack Kornfield, Roshi Joan Halifax, Joseph Goldstein, and many more. The Inner Academy is your core resource for finding balance, presence, and navigating the ups and downs of your daily life. The Inner Academy has guidance for every step of your journey. Choose from an annual or monthly membership and gain access to past and future courses, retreat replays, virtual community, and much more. If you've been familiar with Love Server Member Foundation for a while, you'll know that most of our offerings are given freely or on a sliding scale basis. So when you subscribe to the Inner Academy, you're paying it forward and bolstering our ability to continue creating accessible offerings for all in the future, as Ramdas wished for us to do. Be here now and start your journey with Ramdas's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash inner academy. Teaching meditation can be a deeply rewarding experience. Help others improve their mental and emotional well-being reduce stress, improve focus, increase self-awareness and self-regulation, all while deepening your own practice and understanding. Join acclaimed author, Buddhist teacher, and Emmy Award-winning musician David Nickturn on Tuesday, May 28th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for a free online discussion on teaching meditation in Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash be here now for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn on May 28th. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Sharon Salzberg Meta Hour. This podcast is a reflection of our connected lives and is dependent on the generosity of you, our listener. So please go to mindpodnetwork.com slash Sharon and either use the donate button or bookmark the Amazon portal through which we will receive a percentage of whatever you purchase from Amazon, or sign up for a free trial with Audible.com. We thank you for your support in allowing Sharon to continue to share her exquisite heart wisdom. Hi everyone, this is Sharon, and I'm so happy to have Noah and Raghu here in my New York City sublet, uh, so we can talk about 
all kinds of things. Yeah, you don't even know what. I don't know what we're going to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> That's the truth. I have something in mind, but I'd like Noah to get a head start with you. Okay. Well, I, I mentioned this right when I came over, but I, you know, I sometimes like to think of myself as someone who doesn't <coughs> get very upset or is reactive to things, and that's just not true. And usually that's confined to kind of my close relationships. Um, and, you know, I know you wrote the book Real Happiness at Work, and I've read the book and it's great and I apply it to all my situations, but I rarely have those friction situations because I work with a lot of great people. But I had a situation pop up last night that's really eaten into the better part of my day where I got an email and it just, it was unnecessarily rude objectively and I just haven't been able to let it go. And, you know, it's easy for me because I'm freelance, like I'm just gonna sever my ties with the client, however that shapes up, it's fine. But it's still like, it's stuck with me now for almost 24 hours later. So, and I, and in the moment, I try to breathe, I try to take the pause, but it just like, it's almost like I latch on to the anger and it's just like a self thing. And it's, it doesn't happen to me that often that what it does, it's like difficult for me to get out of it. So any tips or guidance with that is greatly appreciated. <laughs> well, sometimes, uh, I mean, it's great that you have so many options in, in life actually, in terms of action. Yeah. Yes. Not everybody feels that you know, in, in different situations, but that's tremendous that you've got that. Yeah. And I think given that, especially, um, well, I don't know that I would say the same thing, would say a different thing if you you had a different situation, but I would actually try doing some loving kindness for the guy. You know, you were afraid I was going to say that, weren't you? My mom, my mom <laughs> said that. Yeah. I almost got mad at her for that. And I was like, no, I'm not going to get mad at someone else. Like I was, it that, Almost, and usually I'm really good at that. I'm really into, you know, the bhakti stuff too. So there's a lot of love and I try to cultivate that. But in this situation, I just couldn't get past what was going on at the time. Like I was making little cracks and I found that that was helpful, but it still like was in the situation. And again, I'm a lucky, I get to go through this outside of an office setting. So I'm not like, I couldn't imagine working in an office feeling how I was feeling. And I know a lot of people do have to deal with that. Life has to do what lots of people do. So, uh, yeah, I know the loving kindness. I know. <laughs> oh, damn. You know, well, it's kind of like this. You don't do it to sort of try to make yourself like the person. Yeah, right? yeah. That would be a big mistake. Yeah. <laughs> you really do it more to lift the burden within yourself so yeah. that you're either not obsessed or consumed or, you know, these things happen and people can be really unskillful in what they say, but yeah. then we go over it and over it and over it and over it and we can't let it go by and, um, yeah, and especially in your situation where you do have that freedom. I know, and I, I reckon I was trying to, that ultimately when I could move on for various aspects of my days was the saving grace, is that I could just compartmentalize it, kind of move on to something else. It wasn't something I had to deal with immediately. Um, and then I found just on the ride over here that it was popping up again. I'm like, I can't believe this. Like it's, I don't even, it's not even that big of a deal. At the, I know in like three or four days I'm gonna be like, oh, and feel more foolish about being upset and thinking all of the horrible things in my head. Uh, I know that's the first step too. I've learned that just from your meditation practices in, in general, in specifically rather, um, that just cultivating the awareness that that's going on is a really important step. So I recognize it, but I was still frustrated that I wasn't able to immediately get over it. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the loving kindness is kind of a way of getting over it, yeah. you know, in a way, just because 
uh, it's like you had to be on the receiving end of that energy for a few minutes. Yeah, yeah. This person lives within that I energetic know. field, right? Maybe yeah. a whole lot of the time. Uh, you don't know what their or maybe you do know, but often we don't know the history of how right. cut right. off they've they've become or uh, things like that. And and there's some place in us where we really do wish them not yeah. to be struggling so much or suffering so much. Um, yeah. If for no other reason than to spare me. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and even if yeah. you do decide not to work with them anymore, yeah. you know, you have an option of how you communicate that. Yeah, oh, well, that's one thing I've learned from, again, from you specifically, is I eventually responded to an email that I got very late in the night, and I wanted to fire back, like, a lot. Just really, it was bordering on unprofessional. I really am over that line, but it was still just, like, the intention behind it wasn't there. And over the course of half an hour, I got out a professional and respectful and you know dealing with it and just internalizing everything on my side but uh and that was very useful too that i mean without that it could have just been a much worse situation so i was grateful for that too i mean so was anger part of your reactivity yeah oh i was super i mean that's what it was i was incredibly angry and like i said i know where i my trigger points typically for, for anger and it's usually in relationships, close relationships, family, friends, you know, you're close and comfortable with people, but rarely in a professional setting do I get angry. I might get frustrated, but this was just like a pointedly kind of outside of a professional thing. And I was just like, I got very angry. Like, it, yeah, like, yeah. I find since anger has always been part of my issue, yeah. um, I find that when, when I do get triggered, I can actually witness it after the initial bang, yeah. but I mean milliseconds, that I am putting every other frustration and every other piece of anger and my whole past and yeah. just taking it and using it as a vehicle to abuse yeah. my own self. Yeah. And that we, we tend to do that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. it, it, it was amazing because I noticed that it was so, I am not a, a very self-abusive person um, but after my outburst last night and continuing today, I would find thoughts of like getting mad at myself like really quickly and like easily for stuff like just aren't they don't go through my head on a day-to-day basis. So I was like, I knew there was a connection there. Um, and it was just remarkable how like those thoughts would just immediately permeate kind of like my regular state of being. Um, so I know it's unproductive, which is why I want to cultivate all of the tools and things I can yeah. to those things or dealing with them in a better way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe talk about the antidotes to anger itself as yeah. a singular, yeah. mm-hmm. very powerful emotion that I think 99.9% of us really have to deal with at yeah. one point or another in our lives. Well, we do have to deal with it, I think, at one point or another. There, there's also an interesting... Uh, psychological map in Buddhist psychology of personality types Mm. where um, the words sound a little nasty but they're not really like nasty states they're just talking about while we all have uh, a certain amount of grasping or greed in our being a certain amount of anger a certain amount of delusion uh, it also is the case that sometimes someone's personality is almost like constellated around one particular one of those Mm. Uh, so it's not exactly like all three in equal measure. And um, and that the personality type stuff is actually kind of fun. Uh, 
it's like if you're a greedy or grasping type, it doesn't mean you're a greedy person at all. Mm. I mean, you might be a phenomenally generous person, mm. um, but it, it's sort of a, um, it's a tendency. It's like they say that if you have that as your personality type, then you would likely walk into a room and notice what you like. Mm. You notice what's pleasing to you. You don't want to look at what's displeasing. Yeah. You know, so that's the flaw in it. Is that you don't want to take in the whole picture, and yeah. so I describe that sometimes as the kind of person who, if you're sitting in a meeting with them, and some problem is brought up, they'll say it'll all work out, and you think how? How's it going to work out? You know, <laughs> like like Joseph Goldstein, who's far from a greedy person at all. He's a classic greedy type. Hmm. In yeah. that he likes to look at what's pleasant, and oh wow, you know that's, that's why his. That's, you know, his architectural sense, like, is extraordinary and his sense of harmony. And, yeah. But he'll say, like, the example, I mean, he knows I tell the story, is like, uh, uh, once, oh, you know, Joseph is uh, six, three and a half, and virtually all his frequent flyer miles are on United Airlines. And so he likes to use them to upgrade because it's so uncomfortable for him yeah. and coach. And so uh, one day, years ago, I said to him, Joseph, what will you do if United Airlines goes bankrupt before you can use all your frequent flyer miles? He said, it's not going to happen. <laughs> and it was like a long time later, I thought, well, how do you know that? You know, like, uh, so again, it's not at all that you're a greedy person. It's just a predisposition in a certain way. And all of these states have a purified side. You know, the, the purified side is attained through mindfulness. Like, so that... Um, tendency toward looking at what's beautiful looking at what's right looking what's pleasing that, to you that's called a greedy thing it's, in called, it's so interesting it's, it's uh, yeah. just like a greedy type yeah yeah in that personality typology or is it because type. you're not encompassing everything yeah. so yeah, it's like yeah. just selectively like oh that's right. good stuff so i guess that's yeah. the greed <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i get it. but the purified form of that like they actually call faith which mm. doesn't mean faith mm. even in like a, a bhakti sense necessarily or uh, it certainly doesn't mean belief system. It means like a love of life, you know, because mm. you get close to things. You, you're open to things. Mm. You, you know, <laughs> um, and then the aversive type or the angry type is like the opposite. They're the kind of person who'll walk into a room and they'll overlook nah. what's beautiful and they'll just notice. Look at that. The carpet's crooked. <laughs> you know, like couldn't she have straightened it up before these guests came over? You know, two carpets are crooked. Look at that, right? <laughs> and and. Uh, and again, it's not like you're an angry person all the time or, or anything like that. It's just that's where you go, what's displeasing mm. and um, to you. And uh, I sometimes describe that as the kind of person who walk in, you know, be in a meeting and somebody will present this opportunity and their first thing is, it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. And then you think, well, why not? Yeah. <laughs> you know, let's figure out how it's going to work. Mm. Uh, and that too has a purified side because the positive attribute in the anger or the aversion is like kind of cutting through. It's considered a kind of penetrating intelligence. It's like maybe nobody else wants to talk about that carpet being crooked and it's actually important mm. to bring up, but that person will do it. Mm. So there's like almost a kind of truth telling sometimes that can manifest without the you know rigidity or without the burning. Mm. And then the deluded type of which I strongly am. Um, and again, not everyone is a type because you can have a 
sort of combo. mix. Yeah, yeah, you can have a combo, but I'm, I'm powerfully a diluted type is described as someone who will walk into a room and not really notice anything until someone points it out to them. And you think, oh, right, I have a carpet. Look at that. I forgot. It's crooked, isn't it? Look at that. Uh, you know, and, and so um, there's almost a kind of peacefulness sometimes in, for that type because you're spaced out. But uh, the detriment, of course, is that you're very dependent on other people describing reality to you because you're not really paying careful attention yourself. And then you're so so dependent that you're kind of vulnerable mm. in that way. And so, and that too is um, transformed through the practice of mindfulness so that you can have that kind of balance and evenness, but actually noticing, you know, rather than being lost in some <laughs> other world. Mm. Um, yeah, and so there may be people who are just for whatever reason, you know, the constellation of their energy is going to be toward aversion. It's, you know, dislike or fear, which is part of that same complex of aversion, uh, anger, impatience, pushing away. Um, but all is not lost, you know, because there is that jewel in there, that ability to cut through. and. And so we do practice mindfulness of the state itself so that we, we understand it better and we can, we can transform the energy of it. And then, of course, the antidote to um, aversion, both anger and fear, is loving kindness, yeah. is, is actively practicing that, um, re, that recognition of connection. Mm. Mm. Um, is there... What are some of the other personalities? No, they're, they're, those, are the those are the big three. Those are the big three. Yeah, and then the um, purified form. So they're mm. kind of six. Yeah. Is this a Theravada? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah I mean, in the Mahayana, it's much more intricate, I think, with the Buddha families and mm. right, stuff right. like that, which right. I don't really know that system. Right. Um, what's been on my mind? is something um, actually we, we were as you know of course I do this work with Ramdas and we did a um, we did a workshop with uh, Ramdas Roshi Joan Halifax and Frank Ostaseski who's been involved in That's right. death and dying mm -hmm. and you know who he is it was really lovely it was at Ramdas's house and so on and in, in the process, and it was all related to facing mortality as well as what the blessing is, that we can actually have an opportunity to transform ourselves. Um, at one point, Ramdas said, he just kept saying over and over, trust, trust, trust. That is what allows us to be, he didn't put it in these words exactly, friends with our mortality. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I really loved it because it wasn't about, a faith is a difficult world. Mm -hmm. I mean, now you wrote a whole book uh, about <laughs> faith, so mm -hmm. you well know some of the feedback you got before you wrote the book. What are you doing? Um, but trust, and you know, in these words, faith and devotion and love and all, I mean, you, you once gave a great talk about love and how it 
means weakness to most people, you know, so true. Trust, though, it seems to me, on multiple levels, is, there's a way that you can access. Can you talk about trust and what it means to you? I think that's a beautiful uh, statement by Ramdas because um, there is a part, I see it in myself, you know, that I think there's a part of our conditioning that says uh, things should not be this way. I mean, it is ridiculous, isn't it? You know, like that we have to die or that time goes on. The example I've been using, which would make more sense to you than to Noah, is uh, <laughs> like I, I was doing my taxes recently and um, uh, there were certain states in, in which I was trying to, I had like a tiny little bit of money and I was trying to use their online web thing you know to pay and which never worked in any state but anyway uh you know and then i had to put in my year of birth and i had to scroll down for like 15 minutes it felt like to get to yeah, 1952 yeah, yeah, right, yeah, you know and i thought it's ridiculous why are they starting with 10 year olds you know it's like <laughs> you know they're not paying taxes but the truth is that you know i'm not 18 anymore and how did that happen it's just like the most bizarre system mm. um so i think it's also natural to have this feeling of protestation this makes no sense that we should have to depart this earth or lose everyone we love or you know carry that grudge forever and then have them die you know or whatever it is it makes no sense and so i think there is a place in which we withhold that kind of trust, and reasonably so. But then there comes a certain point where you just realize things are as they are. And sort of either living in denial or protestation or kind of insisting they be different than they are, it makes no sense either. Yeah. And that there's so much suffering there that the only way to peace and happiness is to, is to relinquish that and come into harmony with um, how things are. Like Bob Thurman, uh, as a scholar of Buddhism, and especially Tibetan Buddhism, often talks about, it's not a very glamorous word, but he often talks about things being realistic. <laughs> and that's the goal, is to see what's realistic, what's real. And death is real, loss is real, change is real, time is real. In that sense, it's real, the passing of time. And uh, and we need to kind of relax a little bit and just say, yeah, this is how things are. So I really, I really like that. I think trust is a problematic word. I think every word is probably problematic. <laughs> you know, we live in a pretty cynical age and people would say, why should I trust? You know? I trust you. Yeah. 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 Why should I trust this or you or it or whatever? But you know, some of this, uh, I guess I was doing talking to some people, maybe it was a podcast, I don't even remember. But we were talking about that spark when we were young and, you know, a little old, well, you're old now. <laughs> you're, what, you're over 30. Yeah, How old I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 32 in July. Oh my God. I well, am the Buddha didn't now. get enlightened until he was 35. There you go. Yeah, 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 it's time. Okay. <laughs> so there was a, everyone had a spark mm -hmm. that something dawned on us that there was a chance an opportunity there was a possibility even that we could be happy in its most simplistic sense that our senses our egos weren't all that there is so we all had that 
And I think trust comes in as a good word then. Mm. It's like trusting you had that experience. Now, it could be through a psychedelic, which, uh, by the way, we haven't talked too much about psychedelics, <laughs> uh, but they've been so powerful transformationally for us at that time, mm -hmm. and particularly for me, because it gave me some kind of reality, talking about reality, meeting a being like Neem Karoli Baba, mm -hmm. uh, through these experiences that, that have, but more strongly and to the point was, and this is something you can have for the rest of your life, and that's what I'm really talking about here, that you can reset, you talk about reset a lot, and I'd like you to talk more about it because I think that's super, super important on a day-to-day -day basis when you're talking about yeah. Noah, the stuff that you just went through. Yeah. There has to be a way to sort of reset that and start anew, whatever you want to call it. But to me, the leverage to do that, and that's what I heard from Ramdas in that moment, was trust. And that means trusting in your experience. And it may be a, as simple as uh, a loving kindness towards something that's un, um, manifest by itself. It's not something you purposefully do, and mm -hmm. you have that feeling in the moment. Is that not a way for us to, um, is that really not a, I think it's a reset button of some sort, mm -hmm. that kind of trust, which borders on faith, obviously. Well, do you see a path to that trust? Like, how do you develop it? Or is it just Well, that's, that's what there? you're here for. <laughs> <laughs> Give us the path to develop that trust. Well, Noah. Maybe we have to ask Noah. <laughs> I mean, in terms of, I also had the psychedelic intro to some, just recognizing that there was a reality uh, outside of kind of what you experience in waking or regular consciousness and excluding dreams because I don't think people typically think of dreams as that real or a lot of people don't. Yeah, That's right. just some other place where things get worked out mm -hmm. and depending on what methodology or you know arena you come from, you have different views on it. Um, so I had it there too, but I will say that most of the things that kind of confirmed my trust or kind of faith or confidence in, in just knowing that things are, this is the way they're supposed to be didn't come until I stopped doing psychedelics, you know, regularly at least. I do very infrequently now. Um, and that those points in between were actually the stronger kind of footholds that kind of gave me a basis. Because one of the things that I've experienced with psychedelics, and I know other people have had in varying degrees, is you don't know if that's like, uh, that could just be a, a different thing. You know, that could be an aberration that's not a real place. And some people treat it as such. I never had that experience. But I did have things outside of that, um, just connecting dots, weird synchronicities, mm -hmm. um, things that you don't have to ever do a psychedelic to experience. And those types of things with the, the meditative practice, the mindfulness stuff is so important. I, don't, I think I was doing some form of mindfulness before I even mm -hmm. meditated, sat down to do it because there were a level of things where you would notice things, like this noting practice. Like I would do that but not in like a, a structured way. But when things would come up, you're like, I, I, and I think everyone does that too. And that's why when you cultivate kind of that, that aspect, it really feeds into other aspects of your life, like uh, over the long term and immediately if you pay attention, I think. So yeah. that, yeah. 
I think this crosses over, though. I mean, when we talk about trust, trusting whatever experience you might have, really into faith. And, mm -hmm. and you did have that book. Talk mm -hmm. about that. Yeah. yeah, I was just thinking the subtitle of that book is Trusting Your Own Deepest Experience. And, mm. Oh, mm. really? Um, yeah, it's called Faith, that. Trusting Your Own Deepest Experience. And, uh, exactly. I got a review in a newspaper. Uh, and the pretty much the entire review was about how they didn't like the subtitle. But <laughs> anyway, really? apart from that <laughs> memory. Uh, um, and I think there is a way we learn to trust our own uh, sense of what is true. We, you know, we can distinguish that from the voices clamoring inside our head of greed, hatred, and delusion, and you know, all the fears and, and stuff like that, and, and have a sense of um, clarity around things we've seen, um, things we sense, uh, and they, they can be not very popular in the culture at large, but, you know, things like holding on causes a lot of suffering. Mm -hmm. The only way to be free in this particular situation is to let go. That doesn't make me a fool or a weakling, you know, that's really the path to freedom, where the, the very famous and a kind of difficult comment by the Buddha, hatred will never cease by hatred, hatred will only cease by love. This is an eternal law. Like, no one wants to think that, really, you know, but, but it's probably true. And if we look at our own experience with honesty and uh, kind of rigor, you know, then we say, yeah, you know, that is true, that I just poured fuel on that fire and that it didn't help and that this person I thought of as an enemy, I learned so much more about them years later, and I realized, oh, you know, of course, they were all screwed up. Or, uh, as the Dalai Lama says, quoting uh, Shantideva, this great Tibetan sage, enemies become friends, friends become enemies. You know, we get so rigid, we classify people in these different categories, and it's pretty variable, actually. Um, <clears throat> now, there's so many things that, that happen in life, and, and we kind of know. Uh, a deeper truth very often, but we don't necessarily trust our knowing. And mm. we think, oh, that can't be right. You know, everyone, every bit of mainstream media tells me the opposite, <laughs> or uh, that's the way I'll be happy, is the way they say I'll be happy, not the way I'm sensing I could actually be happy, or generosity is for suckers, or whatever it is, you know. Well, cultivating, then now we're at cultivating. How do we cultivate that trust, that faith in mm -hmm. what is, uh, like what, what we experience and know deep, deep down inside? I think for most of it, it's actually the willingness to make the experiment. You know, it's like you have to be able to, say, practice generosity as an experiment the whole time, keeping an eye on what your internal experience is, not just do it because you're obliged to do it or or something like that, but that's how we we actually know where happiness comes from, not from what anybody says or preaches at us or whatever. It's, it's from stepping out of what may be just ordinary or familiar, but keeping an eye on our, our heart space, you know, and, and actually knowing, like, we have this uh, practice we sometimes do, like, it is an experiment up at and uh, Barry around the Insight Meditation Society and a community of people that have been formed around there where 
we say, okay, here's, here's something you can undertake as a practice. It's like for the next little while, whatever the time period is, when a strong thought to give something arises in your mind and it's reasonable, it's not like giving away the farm or something, you know, <laughs> but a strong, and it's not just a little dwippy passing thing, but a strong thought to give something arises in your mind and it's reasonable, give it. And keep an eye on your emotions and reactions and the whole thing. Like, give it, even if the next 50 thoughts are fearful. Like, oh no, you know, maybe I'll read it next year, or it's been in that pile for three years now, but I do need to read it, or, you know, what if I end up with nothing? You know, just like, give it. It's like you watch all the fear and what that feels like, and the withholding and the hesitation, and you watch. Uh, what happens when you actually yield or relinquish that object and that's how you know is because you've really you've seen for yourself where does the watching happen from i think that's important for for you to single out because there's people can be self-consciously small witness we would call it in the, mm -hmm. in the hindu tradition right? or Mm -hmm. No, it's Hindu. All I uh, Ramdas used to talk about it, <laughs> uh, wherever he got it. But I mean, the idea of the witness, which is common throughout yeah. many, many. Yeah. Well, that kind of witnessing, you know, we would call mindfulness. It's yeah. it's like the cultivation of an awareness that's not judgmental, self consciousness, which people often ask about. Like, is I'm really going to feel stupid and self conscious? Like now I'm lifting my arm. You know, now I'm like opening my mouth or whatever it is. Uh, yeah. You know, but it's not like that because you're not forming judgments all the time. And if there are judgments arising, you're not buying into them. It's a pretty pure seeing of, okay, this is happening, and that's happening, and that's happening. But isn't it true to get to that place in a way that you aren't going to get sucked in by either reactions or mm -hmm. self-identifications or so on is through an ability to get your mind to one point. Is that not the basis before? <laughs> to some degree? Uh, there are some schools within Buddhism that would say absolutely that's true. And then there are other schools who would say um, that one-pointedness or that stability of attention can happen in a moment. Mm. So from that point of view, and it is just one point of view, uh, you don't practice that kind of stabilization first. Yeah. You practice it all along the way. And that's very much how, say, Menindra would teach or mm. that Mahasi Saito school. Um, because their whole emphasis, or my teacher, Saito Upandita, their emphasis is on continuity of awareness. So they say you get the same kind of stability that you're describing or one-pointedness through more moments of mindfulness in a row. Mm. Whether you're sitting or you're standing up from the sitting or you're folding your shawl after the sitting or you're walking to where you can do walking meditation or you're walking. It's all part of that effort toward being more continuous. So completely so. at one with each yeah. motion. And you're going to lose it, no doubt, yeah. a billion times, but that's where starting over and comes back. So you like string it together the moments yeah. I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, that, that just happened to be a historical controversy you touched upon you know, inadvertently. <laughs> it's like the, His Holiness the Dalai Lama, right? In many of these talks, well, there's the Mandiaka school. That's right. And then, yeah, the yeah, yeah. and then they go into a whole thing about each school. By that time, about three quarters of the people are sleeping. In the yeah, I know. <laughs> I know.
But I think the the key is actually the other thing, which is starting over. Mm. Starting you know, over. Realizing your mind's going to wander, you're going to blow it, you're going to fall asleep, you're going to get distracted, all kinds of things are going to happen, just like they all happen in life. And then you just let go and you start over and you start over and you start over. And that's really the most important thing. You practice. can trust in the starting over. Yeah, mm. you can trust in the starting over. That's, well, you need to. You need to. Yeah, and even if you don't trust it, you have to do it. <laughs> you know, because it's the way it right. all works. Yeah, it is. It just is. Well, and I also think a component of it is even with the gratitude when you're saying when you have the impulse to give, for me at least, when I act on those impulses and I've gotten better and better at it as years have gone on, you notice other things too that are external to you that start to happen. And that there's a component of trust that I think is interwoven with that. Um, not just kind of internally how you feel, which is obviously very, very important, but um, I am a strong believer in the more you give, the more you get. And you can do that from a selfish selfish conception of I'm going to give a lot so I get a lot, but it just seems to be something that that's the way it works. And that also kind of, that's what I was talking about, those moments in between, those types of things can really, you know, uh, reinforce what what you're doing so I've noticed that too yeah I just have to say something that um, we have at MindPod Network and you probably haven't even heard about this an incredible new line of t-shirts and apparel and apparel like from hoodies you have caps we don't have no caps we have iPhone cases, hoodies. IPhone How, what kind of, what size iPhone I think cases? the new, the sixes. I believe. No, no. Oh, I all saw them? them. They look like they're all there. Oh. Yeah. The four, the five, How do the I six. find this stuff? Well, we're going to get you one. Don't yeah, you yeah, tell yeah. Tell us exactly. But one of the t-shirts, because we're trying to represent all of the folks on MindPod, and one of the t-shirts, t-shirts is Love Your Enemies. Oh. Yes. Wow. So it's been selling too. you need to it's get that selling. t-shirt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and this oh, is for you. I know. I know. You Trust get that me. t-shirt. I want to go back to those iPhone cases. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need one. Yeah. Yeah. There's... Okay. You got it. And I'll... do you have little tote bags? Oh, no. We're not got that far. We, we This is... is. Yeah. No, we're not that far. Do you have a. Uh, uh... <laughs> you have a lot of desires. I do have a lot of desires. <laughs> Wait, but I have another question. Do yeah. you have like a tagline? something like that you don't have to uh, yes. you can edit this out too. we, we do have a tagline we don't edit anything <laughs> <laughs> no. what's your tagline Tag, ancient wisdom for modern times that's nice simple it's not the most creative possibility <laughs> perhaps, but it is but it point. does say it right because and so i would recommend a tote bag with that ancient, tag yes. with that tag tote bag is a great idea too okay. i just happen to have been carrying a tote bag from another organization with their tagline on it and oh somebody I was meeting for breakfast said, what's that bag? Mm. <laughs> and so it was a whole opening for her uh-huh. oh, about the organization. So the, here's Well, you know, this whole thing and, and this whole t-shirt thing that we're offering, it came from somebody coming to us yeah. and saying, hey, you should do this and I'm going to help you do it. And they went and designed the whole thing and put it, did everything. Yeah, it was we remarkable. Don't, we, it was just, so we have a wonderful community here. That's fabulous. And somebody yeah. in the community is going to go, hey, we're going to get a tote bag made yeah. for you. And the other thing I'll suggest yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. is a yoga mat with your tagline. That would be cool. On it. Okay. Just saying. Yeah. I like okay. all of these yeah. ideas. Very good. Do. But anyhow, everybody, um, 
I'm acting as the announcer for MindPod Network right now and saying this is a great way to support what Sharon's doing and what the network's doing. So go to mindpodnetwork.com and you can get yourself a t-shirt or you can buy your stuff through Amazon or you can just plain old make a donation. Mindpodnetwork.com. Mm -hmm. No, when I got a new iPhone, I lost my, my case. So it was very, okay, see, very this has worked out very well for yeah. you. <laughs> well, thanks for letting us be on your Thank you. show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure, they're going to say, on my couch. <laughs> totally fine. It's great. It's great uh, to see you both. Uh, great to see you. We love you, and we'll see you next time. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Sharon Salzberg Meta Hour. We really do appreciate your support and hope you will continue that support by going to mindpodnetwork.com slash Sharon and clicking on the donate button or by using our amazon.com portal for all of your purchases. Namaste. Namaste.